We all have dreams, and whether large or small, dreams take steps to achieve. And sometimes we think it takes a complex formula to get where we want to be. But in actuality, small steps over time create big results. This is The Tipping Point. Good morning. Hey, we were talking about just several months ago what we should do with Mother's Day, how, how we should celebrate and, and how to best capitalize on, on this day in, in the year where we celebrate mothers. And, and the more we talked about it, the more we realized this, that the most qualified person in the room to talk on Mother's Day was probably not the dudes who always stand up here. As a matter of fact, the most qualified person to share with us on Mother's Day might actually be a mother. And so this morning, we have a speaker who's new to the stage here at LifePoint who's going to share with us about prayer and God's heart to speak to his people as a father. This lady has spoken in multiple states across the country. She's an incredible mother, so great of a woman, in fact, that about 11 years ago, I said, I'll take that one. She's mine. I put a ring on that finger. Back off, dudes. I want to introduce to you uh, Ashley Abney, my wife, and one of the worship leaders here at LifePoint. Good morning. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about lots of different topics concerning the tipping point. And that's a place where we begin to gain momentum in our faith, in our life. As we continue in these small incremental acts that seem seemingly insignificant, over time, we can look back over our life, over a year, over five years, over 50 years, and say, those habits, those seemingly insignificant habits over time made a big impact on my life, on my family, on my finances. A few of the things that we've talked about is how we can learn to worship God no matter where we are, how to study his word for ourselves, and how important it is to spend time with God's people. If you've missed any of those topics in the past, I would really encourage you to go to our website and check out this podcast. Or if you heard one that you really liked and you want to share it with a friend, I would encourage you to. You don't want to miss out. But today we're going to talk about prayer and what prayer really is. I have a son, and he's a year and a half old, and when we brought him home from the hospital, he had very limited communication with us. It basically looked like this. It was crying all the time or sleeping the other part of the time. So his, his level of communication was very limited. And now, even though he's like less than two years old, his communication has um, progressed to words. And he started out with cries and, and coos, and he stared at me in, his, in the eyes, which was kind of creepy after a while. And then he would go to pointing to things, and then he would go to signing things. And now he's saying words, which is really funny. Um, he says, mama, he says, dada, he says, um, apple, and he says book, and my favorite one is lawnmower. That's pretty complicated, and my least favorite one is mine. Like, stop saying that one. I don't like, nothing, you don't own anything. Nothing is yours. Um, but what I know is no, no matter the complexity of his language, it's that connection that I make with my son that's really important, that makes my heart sing. And, and it doesn't matter the, the words that he says right now, it's just that he looks at me and he says something and that connects us. For those of you that have kids, do you remember how special it was when 
your kids started to develop greater language and greater um, understanding of how the language worked. And they, they went from little words to sentences. And sentences went to telling us jokes. And those jokes, somewhere around the teenage years, they stopped learning how to communicate, right? And they started eye-rolling and grunting at us and slamming doors. I was there. Don't, don't be offended. I did the same thing. Um, but here's the thing that I know about communication. Communication connects us, right? When we communicate well, it connects us with other people. So when you're dating or you're trying to get to know somebody, right, you want to connect with them, you want to get to know them, you communicate, use words. If you're at a party and you're trying to get to know somebody, okay, funny story about a party. Austin is like a huge extrovert, and I'm a little bit more of an introvert. It's kind of annoying sometimes. And he decided, had this really crazy idea, that he was going to invite our entire neighborhood to our house. And when I mean like entire neighborhood, I mean he went on the computer and he made out these invitations that said Abney House, seven o'clock, and he, he passed them out to every single one of our neighbors. We had 75 people at our house for this party and it was a little overwhelming and I might have hid in my closet a couple of times, but what I found out was that, that communication in a party, in a, in a crowd full of people, I could have stayed in my closet, which I really wanted to. Or um, what really happened was we communicated with people and had some lasting relationships as a result. Um, some ways that you can not communicate or not communicate well. If you're talking to your boss and your boss says something like, hey, um, I want you to do this project and you're not listening at all, and you don't do that project, you'll find yourself disconnected and without a job, right? We were created for communication with others. And that's called manners. That's called being a friend. That's called being a good employee or a good boss, right? We call that being human. We were also created for communication with God. And we call that prayer. Sometimes we make prayer into something that it's not, like a vending machine, right? So if I do something really good, if I have this currency of being good, saying the right things, if I'm nice to my husband, then later on today, I can ask God for something that I want, right? So when it doesn't work out for me, I'm going to kick that machine, and I'm going to shake that machine until something falls down from heaven, and I get exactly what I want. And when it doesn't happen exactly the way I wanted, when I wanted it, I can walk away angry, thinking that this thing called prayer didn't really work for me. And that's not exactly how it works. Or sometimes we think prayer is like a Shakespearean play, right? So the more eloquent that we are with our words, or we throw in a few these and thous, and I don't even know what that stuff means. I don't know if I like, I, I don't know what the and thou and thine, and I know we just sang it, but I think I can figure it out eventually. But um, so it's not necessarily the eloquence or the poetry of our words with prayer that makes us heard better. Or some of us, we like to use it like a fire extinguisher. We only break that glass in case of emergency. Don't bother God with your petty requests throughout the day. Um, only phone a friend when it's a good request. I'm here to tell you today that that's not all what prayer is for, right? So as we dive into the topic of prayer today, I want you to remember this, that God is loving and that God is kind and that God wants to hear from his people. There's not a person in this room that God doesn't want to hear from. Communication with our creator and our father connects us to him, and that's what it's all about. So I want you to imagine this. I want you to set your mind back to the Bible times, and I want you to picture that you're a disciple, that you are somebody that's following Jesus along his path, and you've been watching him do some pretty incredible things. 
some pretty mind-blowing miracles. Like some people have had some of these debilitating seizures and now they're healed. And people that were walking around in severe pain can now run and jump for joy and enjoy life again. And there's people that couldn't walk that can now walk. There were people that, that um, had incredible diseases and he, he healed those diseases. He was wise with his words, and they were incredible crowds that pressed up against him, yet somehow he kept his cool. And his words, his words even calmed a storm. He fed 5,000 people. Guys, I can't even get dinner on the table for three sometimes, let alone feed 5,000 people. That's pretty incredible. And you notice something. Occasionally when you wake up, it's early in the morning and you're still wiping those eye boogers from your eyes and the drool from your face from the good night's sleep the night before, you see Jesus up on a hill and he's praying for a long time, probably. And you start to, you start to connect the dots. Those crazy things that you've seen him do, the unusual amount of peace that he demonstrates, the ways that he just, he just gets you, he just knows you, those are all a result of prayer, of him connecting with his father. So as he comes down from the mountainside, you and your, your comrades, you ask him, teach us. Teach us how to pray like you. So that's where we're going to start this morning. If you want to, you can open up your Bibles to Matthew 6, 5 through 7. And here's how Jesus replies. He says, when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them. I tell you the truth. That's all the reward they'll ever get. And don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. So Jesus makes it clear that we shouldn't pray in order to be seen. We shouldn't draw attention to ourselves and say like, hey, look at me, thou this and thine, and I'm praying, so look at me and, and impress everybody with our words. He says, he also warns against babbling. He says, don't babble on and keep on going. When we pray, we shouldn't be worried about looking good for other people or sounding good to other people. He says, when you pray to impress other people, that's all you get is the accolades or the tomatoes from other people. Um, when you talk genuinely to God, you get his attention, and that's called prayer. That's called connecting with God. He says, don't talk to them. Talk to me. God is the one we're speaking to when we pray. So when Jesus teaches us right up front that we should focus on the person of God as we acknowledge who he is, he says he starts it out with this, our Father in heaven. Once we focus on who he is, then we'll be able to recognize and, recon and acknowledge our relationship with him. Now, you might have heard that we're all God's children, and that's not entirely true. We're all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. God becomes our father when we choose to believe in Jesus Christ. This is what it says in John 1, 12. But to all, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And if you trust in the name of Jesus this morning, you're God's child, and it's a choice that you can make today. If you've had a difficult time relating to God as your father because you've had a, a strained history with your own father, I would propose to you today, I'd ask you this, where do we get that sense of right and wrong, that sense of who a father should be, 
that a father should be wise and a father should be smart and a father should be kind and a father should be funny. I would suggest to you today that we get that, that inside feeling of who a father should be because our heavenly father placed it there. Our heavenly father, he's beautiful, wise, just, he's merciful, he's smart, and I think he's funny. I don't know if you think he's funny, but I think he's funny. Like, just look at a kangaroo, okay? Just picture in your mind a kangaroo. It has the tail of a rat, it has the feet of rabbits, and it has arms like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like, that's just funny. Like, when he put that together with some Play-Doh or something, like, I think he was busting the gut because he thought that was really funny. God's kind of cool like that. When we begin our prayer with a focus on the person of God, who he is, our loving heavenly father, it helps us to remember who we are, who he calls us, his dearly loved children. He is in heaven, so he actually has the power to do something about what we pray for. And as we begin to wrap our minds around who he is and who we are because of him, then we can, we can declare and we're, we're compelled to say, Hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed is not really a word that we kind of throw away, throw out in our everyday language, right? It's kind of one of those words that we just read in the Bible sometimes. But hallowed means this, to set apart, to make special, and to show reverence. When we pray this way, hallowed be your name, Father, we are saying, you are God and we are not. We can approach God with familiarity because he's our father, but we also approach him with reverence because he is hallowed. He is apart and separate and, and different from us. When we remember who he is, we realize that it's an amazing privilege to be able to speak to the creator of the universe. Amen? We take our praise and our requests to the one who is holy and powerful and wise. His very name is holy, and we declare that in our prayer and give honor to him. So we open our hearts in prayer as we focus in our relationship on the person of God because we know who he is, we feel loved, and we feel secure as we move in to the next part of the prayer, which says um, we seek the purpose of God as we ask him to shape our will to his will. And we say this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, if it's a choice between my kingdom, my way, and God's kingdom, his way, I've learned from hard knocks that my kingdom, my way, is self-destructive. And God's kingdom, his way, is beautiful and perfect and loving and kind. When I choose my kingdom, my way, it always ends in self-destruction. My son will walk by the counter in our kitchen and he'll say, Mama, 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 Apple, Apple, Apple. Because he knows that a couple days ago there was something that was on top of the counter, whether it was an apple or whatever, everything is an apple. Um, and he knows that there's something up there that he wants. And he'll raise his arms up to me so that I can bend down to his level and pick him up so that he sees things from my perspective. Because to him, everything's up here. He can't see it, he's like this tall. He's like this, no, he's maybe this tall. He's a big kid. Um, but when I lift him up 
and I let him see things from my perspective. That's exactly what we do when we ask God our Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking our Heavenly Father to lift us up to his perspective so that we can see things with his eyes. As we get to know the person of God, we begin to submit to the purpose of God as our desires come into alignment with his purposes. My husband and I have been married for almost 12 years, and the first 10 years of our life, Austin already mentioned it, but we, um, we were struggling. I was struggling. I felt like I was bargaining and begging God to give us a child. And um, I kept holding on to those promises that no good thing does the Lord withhold from those whose walk is upright. And that was the promise that I kept clinging to every Mother's Day. But when I was able to pray, Lord, your will be done, not mine, on earth as it is in heaven, he began lifting me up to see life from his perspective. And what he was doing was creating some better things in me, um, like trust and patience and joy beyond circumstance. See, I thought that I wanted what was on that shelf that I couldn't see, and he was, t he was holding it from me. He was being mean, um, that I had to put that coin in the vending machine and be a better Christian. But what I found was that Jesus was creating something better inside of me. And those moments, those darkest moments of my life, I wouldn't trade those for the world because those were moments of true connection with my father who loves me. It would be hard to submit to the purpose of God if we didn't trust in the person of God. There might be somebody here this morning that needs to hear this, that he's not out to get us, he's out to have us. He wants us to make everything he created us to be because knowing this, we are free to love the person of God and submit to the purposes of God. That gives us confidence to ask for the provision of God. And this is the next part that he instructs us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. We start out focusing on God and who he is and what he wants to do in our life. And now we move on to the me part. This is when we can say, we can ask God about the things in our life, like um, our jobs, our, our families, our kids, our circumstances, our decisions that we need to make about college or jobs or whatever else it is. I don't think he was asking us to be praying for like our gluten-free, soy-free, high-fructose, corn-free bread to arrive on our doorstep every day. He was actually asking us, hey, come to me. Come to me about your problems, and I'll listen. When we ask him to give us this day our daily bread, we're also entrusting to him that his timing is perfect, that when we ask him, he's not withholding to be mean to us. He's actually going to give us what we need for each day. Amen? I like a little feedback, so it's okay to talk. <laughs> to be honest, all too often I skip ahead. I forget about talking to God and praising God for who he is and what he wants to do in our life, and I, I go right to my shopping list. Right? Do you guys do that? I do that all the time. God forgive me. But I've found that when I actually have time to follow Jesus' pattern for prayer, I'm much more at peace when I, can, when I can hand it over to him, all these requests. It's easier for me to trust that God will take care of my daily needs when I've already settled in my heart who he is. 
and his loving affection towards me. Amen. Not only does God want to provide for our physical needs, but he also wants to provide for our spiritual needs. And this is when we ask him, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Anybody in here ever messed up? Anybody in here ever done something really bad or kind of bad or a little bit bad? Nobody? Are you guys awake out there? <laughs> I do all the time and it's annoying. And when we say, in this part of our prayer, we recognize and confess that we mess up and we need forgiveness. And thankfully, that that forgiveness is available to anyone who asks us. This is what it says in 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess with our sin, he is faithful and just. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all wickedness. There is no one in this room that is too far gone. There is no one in this room that has done anything in their life that can't be covered and washed over by the grace of God. Do you believe that? Once we recognize what we've, been, what we've asked for and received God's forgiveness, then we can become a channel of God's grace and forgiveness to others. See, when I don't forgive somebody else, it's like telling God, I know you've forgiven me, for like $100 million worth of sins, but I can't seem to let go of that $10 sin somebody else sent against me. When we realize just how much God has forgiven us for, it makes it a lot easier to forgive other people, right? And so after we've prayed for God's provision in our present needs and accepted the provision of his forgiveness for our past sins, now we ask him to provide us help for the future. And this is what he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We've talked to our heavenly father about our need for provision. And here we acknowledge our need for his protection. We're human and we get tempted. And, and what we're asking God to do is take us by the hand and lead us not in temptation. When we ask that, God's never gonna lead us apart from something else that he's promised us in his word. He's never gonna lead us astray. He's never gonna be like, oh, there's, there's you in the ditch, sorry about that. No, he's never gonna do that. He's gonna take us by the hand and he's not gonna lead us astray, right? Because his plans and his purposes for us are to prosper us and not to harm us. His plans are to give us a hope and a future. He's never going to lead us astray. The Lord's Prayer is so familiar that if we're not careful, we can find ourselves saying the words but not really praying them. Don't you feel the difference in conversation when you sit across the table from somebody drinking your nice little hot coffee and they're actually engaging in conversation with you, right? Like it feels good, it feels good to connect and to be known and known from somebody. It's a little bit different when somebody sits down and they're like distracted by their phone or they're like looking over top of your head at the TV, like that's super annoying, right? It's even weirder if somebody sat down with the script and they were like, hello, how are you today? How about the weather? How about those wildcats? Like that's weird. God wants to connect to us, so this is more of a pattern of prayer and not necessarily a script. Because of, um, sorry, next page. These words are powerful, and these, these words are meaningful. They can be a pattern for prayer that will enable us to connect and to communicate with our Heavenly Father, who dearly loves us.
if we want to grow in a relationship with another person, we talk to them. We connect with them. If we want to grow in our relationship with God, we do the same thing. We want to make it into something else that it's not a lot of times. And it's just as simple as sitting down and making time to talk and listen to God. It could be the meaningful tipping point for each one of us in our lives today. So I want to issue a challenge to you, and let's try it. For the next seven days, let's choose to make priority a prayer a priority in our lives. We can call it a prayer there because it rhymes. I want you to put it on your calendar. You can speak your prayers out or you can write them. Um, I like to write out my prayers. I have a little journal, and it's really cool to look back over the, the years that I've been doing this and see that um, God has been really faithful, and some of the things that I asked for were really dumb, like, thank you for not letting me marry that weirdo, right? <laughs> to the seasoned Christ followers in the room, I'd ask you to do this for me. Pray that this room of people would be so stirred in their hearts to pray to their Jesus and their Father that loves them with consistency and with a burn in their hearts to know their father, to know the purpose of their father. I want you to imagine what a difference it would make for this room full of people to just be focused on the first two things, to just be focused on the, the person of God and who he is and the plans and the purposes of God. What a difference it would make what a difference it would make in the spiritual landscape of this city. What a difference it would make in the spiritual landscape of the state, of, of this country. So I'd encourage you to pray that this week. For those of you that haven't really made prayer a, a priority in your life or you, you kind of dabble with it, don't really know how to do it, I just ask you to try it this week. Try it for the next seven days and just see, just, just experience the goodness of God in the next seven days and continue it and see what the next seven months bring and the next seven years and the next 70 years because that's going to be really cool. Make an appointment in your calendar and spend time talking and listening. Be specific. Be specific. That's okay. That's okay. We don't have to just say, be with our family. God's already with your family. Be specific about your prayers and that's okay. You don't have to be eloquent with your words. You just have to be honest. To those of you that just aren't sure about this whole God thing, maybe you're here because somebody dragged you here, or maybe somebody bribed you with lunch to come here to church, I would encourage you to talk to the person that brought you today and, and ask them who they think the person of God is to them. Or if you don't know anybody here today, I would really encourage you to talk to the pastors. They're going to be up here after the service, and they'll help you take the next step to get to know this amazing, loving, beautiful, wise, and funny Heavenly Father. We gave you a bookmark when you came in, and I hope that you'll be able to put it in a place that will remind you to pray throughout the week. And as you look at it, you can kind of flip it around. It's got the Lord's Prayer on one side, and on the back side, it's got this. As you pray, I want you to get to know the person of God. Remember that who he is so you'll remember who you are. That's really important too. Submit to the purpose of God and allow your will to be shaped according to the will of God because it's always good. And rely on the provision of God. Talk to him about your needs. Be specific. Ask for provision. Ask for protection. And ask for, to, ask for direction. 
Pray like you have a Father in heaven who knows what is best, wants what is best, and will do what is best for you. Because you have a Father who knows what is best, can do what is best, and wants to do what's best in your life. I'll let you pray with me. Heavenly Father, it's so good to call you that. You're a Father that loves us more than we could ever imagine. As we sing this next song, would you just blow our mind with how good you are? May our minds be reminded of, of the things that you've done in our past um, to show us how much you love us. Be with us today. Give us exactly what we need. Let your will be done in our lives because our will isn't working. It's in your holy and precious and beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Thank you.